I am trying to be intentionally out of touch in the same way that I intentionally <laughs> avoid the news. All right, we're live. What's going on? Well. Yeah. Well, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Your uh, my first million has become my first hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, your first my, uh, my last million. <laughs> yeah, on a good day. What um, you took something out of the Milk Road. I texted you this, but you didn't reply. You so in the Milk Road. My favorite part was you had what was the starting amount? A million or five hundred or what was it? You had your portfolio. It was actually a little so, bit less. It was nine nine hundred fifty thousand. So $950,000 portfolio, and every day you would say what it's at compared to what it was. You took it out. What's it at now? Correct. Why'd you take it out? Uh, I don't even want to look. We took out the prices today because, uh, or what did we do? We, today we did a little different thing. So the crypto prices crashed over the weekend. And so we were like, okay, people are definitely going to want to know like, what's yeah, happening, why is happening, all that stuff. So No, not Saturday, uh, Monday. We, we sent it today. Um, no, you sent so a we, weekend, we a, a sent, weekend version. Yeah, that was just a different. That was just like a special edition. Yeah, that was that was nothing. Um, today we sent like a uh, why is crypto crashing? The weekend one was about Jack Dorsey because Jack Dorsey announced something called Web Five, and we were like, which is hilarious. It's just like a hilarious thing because it's like Web Three like five is like something people are debating it is even a thing, and like he just skipped Web Four. And went straight to Web Five, and like you know, people are like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so we explained what the hell is this. That's what the weekend one was. But today, uh, crypto's down like twenty percent or something crazy. Um, like Ethereum is is like I don't know thousand dollars or something like that right now. Um, so yeah, dude, it's brutal. Uh, the million dollar portfolio. We basically started this right when I started the Milk Road. I was like, "What will be entertaining?" to get people hooked to subscribe. And I was like, oh, I know. I'll put up a million dollars and I'll say, watch, I will publicly invest this money and let's try to turn it into 10 million. It became a mission, turning 1 million into 10 million through crypto investing. And to be honest, we didn't even do that much. Uh, we didn't even make very many moves. Like it just started with a million dollars worth of, of ETH. And I think we made like two investments maybe uh, since then, just because I've been busy with the milk, like building the milk road and like the podcast and my other business and stuff like that. It's not like I've been super active, but um, ETH is down like 66% and all of crypto is down like that or worse. And so uh, the portfolio is brutal. It's like, you know, a million dollars is currently 250 or $300,000 is my guess uh, based on where we were at. Where's your head at? Are you freaking out or are you still calm? Like you always are. Uh, I'm still calm. Yeah. So, so this is, so it's a funny little like story, I guess. Um, I don't know why I said it's funny. There's actually no humor at all in it, but <laughs> it's interesting how, how I feel about it. Um, Ben flew in. So Ben flew in last night, not producer Ben, business partner, Ben. So business partner, Ben flies in last night where he's going to be here for the week. We're going to like work on a bunch of stuff. And like, basically like, you know, from the time he took off the time he landed, like our whole business has changed. And what, what has changed is basically like, well, aside from our own personal net worths, uh, you know, like going down and the Milk Road public portfolio going down, like we've just entered, uh, like the whole economy has entered a recession and crypto has entered for sure, like a big downswing, bear market crash, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's not going to like just bounce right back and all is going to be like fun and dandy again. Like if you think about this time last year, not this time last year, but let's say like six to 12 months ago it felt like money was raining from the skies. Like, you know, uh, I invested in a bunch of tech stocks. Everything was up every day. Everything was up. Zoom is tripled in price and Amazon is up because everybody's ordering all their shit online. And like every company that we invested in private startup was like raising money at crazy valuations. And literally like there's a phrase of money raining on fools. Money was raining on fools and like NFTs were selling, you know, NFTs were selling for ridiculous prices. And it's so crazy that like, you know, on a dime, uh, it feels like the whole world has changed and everybody's mindset and mentality has also changed, which is that like, now it feels almost impossible to make money. It's like, well, where do I go make money? The stock market is down brutally. Um, crypto is crashed. Uh, every business is now laying off people or freezing hiring. 
Um, on top of that, you know, ad, companies are cutting their budgets and ad spend. So if you're at, if your business relied on ads, you know, that's getting cut. And so now, you know, money was uh, you're, raining you're, on fools seeing... and now money's being drained from from smart people, too. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. You're seeing advertisers run. I tweeted out like what's going on in the ad world because I'm not in it anymore. You're seeing it go away. Uh, not this fast, but yeah, like you know, the first uh, shoe to drop was like kind of like consumer brands, like D2C brands and whatnot. They were the first, I would say, the last three months to start like reducing spending. Whereas before, it was like, how do I spend more? And then there was like companies that are like, well, it's hard to have a big ad budget when you're laying off a bunch of people. So they're now that they went into hiring freezes or layoffs, their ad budgets are certainly tightening up. We don't see it this month. Like this month's an all time high in ad revenue. But like, I'm sure in the next three months that ad budgets are going to constrict. They'd be crazy not to. Um, in our e-commerce business, we see sales like this month is good, but you could see the tightening happening where it's like, you know, people just are, you know, they're not getting stimmy checks that they can go spend on, you know you know, um, electronics and toys and, and, and clothes and, and all this good stuff. And so consumers are start, start slowing down their, their spending. And so it's like, and all these things are interlinked, right? Like the, when the consumer spends less, the, the business makes less money, then it has less money to hire less money to advertise. And then the platforms get less revenue and then they do the same thing. And it's just all just interconnected. Right. So this is interesting to me because I have not lived through a bear market as a founder or investor, right? Like 2008, I was a sophomore in college or something like that, right? Like, I don't know, right, you were right, probably right. the same, is, you're like a yeah, freshman was, uh, or sophomore in college. I graduated, I graduated high school in 08. So basically this is our first time as like money earning professionals that we've experienced anything like this. Yeah. Dude, it is crazy. So I'll give you kind of my, my mentality. Cause you said like, are you freaking out? My mentality was like, definitely I've had thoughts of like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. But then I sort of like, well, the thought can arise, but I'm not like consumed by it. Like I definitely had like a day where I was just like, kept checking prices, kept doom scrolling Twitter. But like, I don't know if I pride myself on like, you know, my, my mental fitness, then it's like, well, this is the time to be fit. It's like when stuff that's hard happens, this is the time to use all those tools you've been building up, all those muscles you've been building about like seeing things in a way that actually serves you. And so for me, I'm like, Immediately, I'll show you this thing. So Ben flies in, and last night at midnight, we're basically he we're sitting in my office, and we we wrote this thing at the top. I don't know if you can see this; it's like unfocused, but it says like how a loser's loser. brain would work right now. Loser brain. It's like loser brain says this. We all like you know like rich dad poor dad. Yeah. In my yeah, head, yeah. I have this thing called loser brain winner brain. It's like a loser's brain will bring these thoughts up and bring its attention to these things, and a winner's brain will have these. Like, so we basically wrote down all the scary thoughts. It's like, uh, you know, and so I was like, Ben, just rattle them off. So I'll read you some of these if you're interested, but like, um, well, our, but what, we did my, this exercise in order to reframe our thinking. Everything that I think about right now, and I've been, I'm calm about it because I, I've always, I'm you, everyone gives me a hard time that I'm conservative and it's kind of working out right now, but even <laughs> still I'm down a, a huge amount. Um, and my fear is always rooted in like, I'm going to run out. I'm like, I'm, I'm homeless. Do you have those fears of like, I'm, I'm going to run out? No. Um, because if I actually, if I asked you, do you actually think you're going to run out? No, but there's I no wake up way you Sam Parr, think you're going to go broke, which is it's the combination of you, you got a lot of money still. And secondly, you always have like your core skill is the ability to make and sell products that people are going to want. Well, I'm not saying so how that do you it's logical. I'm not saying it's logical. I'm saying like it's like my fear of flying. I understand that like I'm I'm far more likely to fall off like a set of stairs or to get hit in the car or go into the plane, but I'm still like it's such a deep-rooted uh issue and I think it's actually deep-rooted in a lot of right. people of like I just fuck, I worked sure. 
so long for this thing and it's going to run out. Joseph Kennedy, the JFK's dad, I, I read his biography. He was like the eighth or ninth richest person in America uh, when he was alive. And I think he was worth $100 million. And he said, I would give away half of my money now if it meant I would be, guar- I gu- I would be guaranteed to have the other half forever and grow at a very conservative but consistent rate. Because he was like, I'm just so afraid of losing everything that I worked for. And that loss aversion is often like... Dude, that's it, so it all, interesting. It's like way harder. Would you do that, by than, the way? Would you take that trade? No, no, I wouldn't. But uh, at, no, no. But it's I, tempting. Me, I, I, I think that the world... So he said that probably in 1920. I think like... I think that I still am bullish on America and I still think that over the next 100 years, like I'm gonna, it's going to average 7 or 8% a year and I'll be okay. So I'm, I'm okay with... No, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I still think... And everyone talks about America like... Um, like, oh, like uh, empires only last 250 years and we're, we're there. And in my head, I'm like, but do you, do you think that we're going to go to zero? Like England like has been around for 2000 years and they're not number one or number two, but like being number seven is pretty good too. Do you know what I mean? And so whenever people talk about <laughs> right. like America's going to collapse, I'm like, like, well, like, wait, they, they still got like a dude standing in front of a building all day, like a statue. You can go take pictures of them, right? So like life can't be that bad there. They got the yeah, guy with a fuzzy black hat on. <laughs> yeah, like it's not that bad. Like I wouldn't mind being Germany or France. And like they they like right. were the best for 2000 years. And now they're not number one or number two. But like, you know, I'll be the Red Sox. It's OK. Like it's not a big deal. So anyway, I'm pretty like long term bullish on like, America. So no, I wouldn't give away half. Our Italians. Order. Italians still eating pasta are the Spain the Spaniards still taking naps in the middle of the day like yeah you don't need to be number one to live a very sweet life <laughs> yeah 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 so like I, so, I, it's not like I, I'm I'm happy so I want to describe because I think this is the main topic right like I had a bunch of like you know random ideas and stuff like that and we can get to those but I do think the main topic is probably where most people are at is our audience is I would say heavily entrepreneurial and or work in tech if you let's just go through both scenarios. If you work in tech, you're likely, um, you know, have a lot of your net worth invested in either the stock of the company that you're being paid in, or you, um, you know, you might be invested in the mark crypto, the crypto markets or the stock markets. And, um, most likely you are, you've taken a bath of like, you know, something between 30 and 60% of your net worth in like the span of five months has evaporated. And like whatever plan you had for buying a house, you know, you're like, oh, wait, you know, the, my money is sort of, you know, a lot of my money is gone and the interest rate has gone up and like, you know, or like, you know, I wanted to have that kid and another kid. And like, now I need to like think twice before I do that. And like, shit, I've been ordering groceries like three days, you know, uh, ordering DoorDash three days a week. Like, do I really need to pay like, you know, $32 for, you know, a burrito and chips? Like, uh, you know, you start to reassess a bunch of things in your life. Um, especially because the last 10 years, like if you're around our age, we're like, you know, kind of like early thirties, like all you've seen since you graduated was numbers go up. And so it's kind of jarring to suddenly see numbers go down. At least that's my perspective. Did you think I accurately like labeled one part of our audience? Yeah. In particular, the last, uh, two years, like it's been like up, 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 up like crazy. Yes. And that, that is our audience. And then you have business owners who are like, great, this thing I've been, you know, working so hard at every day for the last X years, like, here's the, here's the good news, uh, long silence. Okay. Here's the bad news. Now your valuation is like cut in half. Your customers are likely going to, you know, start tightening up and paying you less money. Um, you're probably going to have to do some layoffs, trimming somewhere in your business and your cost structure. And like, there's a, I don't know, 30 to 40% chance you got a business in the next year and a half uh, on top of whatever your normal risk of going out of business was. And so like, great, you know, we have, you have risk of going to zero. And so that's a kind of stressful thought. And so on both sides, you have this kind of stressful, kind of depressing thought. And uh, I would say, and, and if you're an investor, you know, all the same thoughts, you know, times two. So where does that leave you? You know, you're either in a, puddle of despair or you're going to be like okay i need to kind of like giddy up and real and, and i have to realize the environment has changed and if that changed what needs to change in my world and so i think there's like a pretty healthy exercise to go down of like what needs to change in my world 
Uh, and that, I would say like, that's the productive conversation. So it's not enough to just be like, I'm just going to close my eyes and think happy thoughts and be positive. It's like, well, I need to be realistic. A lot of shit's changed. I probably need to change with it. But also like, do I want to sit here and feel depressed or hopeless? No. And so therefore I got to like, you might have that thought of like, I could lose it all or this could all go to zero or like all my hard work is gone or like whatever, all those thoughts. But in my mind, it's like, I need to reprogram my brain to operate in this new world. And I need to like, basically I need to like consciously reprogram my brain so that I have. Well, what, what, what I'm, my point is I do believe like, or I do have that fear of it's all going to go away. And my reaction is not quit. My, re, or my reaction isn't even spend less. My reaction is, yeah, it might go all the, it might go away. Let's get after it. Like, let's go get more or let's go, you, you know, like it, it, to me, it's a very stressful period but it's a period and it's not actually stressful when I actually like logically think about it. I'm like, it's not that big a deal, but it is a, I think that whenever I look back at the shit that I've made, that's been successful, it typically is when there's not a lot of alternatives. Um, and it's like, Oh man, this needs to work. So right. I do my best work when, when back against the wall, that's a, that's a one thing that a lot of people believe. And that's a belief that can serve you well when things get hard. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So it, it is stressful, but uh, you, you I, I think I said this a while ago. I go, you're, I think I'm more likely to be like a slow and steady, like, success whereas you're more likely to become a billionaire in like five years or lose it all and so because you take or you take well you take <laughs> a lot of risk or both you'll become a billionaire then lose it all you take way more your risk on um so that's why i'm interested in hearing your perspective on this right now because you're like you're you're all in on a couple things that that just so happen are getting hit the so, worst so what would be to talk about what would be interesting to talk about like you know we can go into like why we think it's happening we can go into like what are you going to do about it we can go to well shit, i don't do you actually feel, man like where do you want to go i don't want to go into why it's happening and i was thinking about this we're in this text group with all those guys and they're all like it's just a bunch of like supposedly smart people uh no they, they actually are smart but like <laughs> they uh they're it, what's crazy is that like america has been around for hundreds of years uh, capitalism has been around for thousands of years, and yet the smartest people don't agree on the cause or the solution, and they can't predict what happens. And that's kind of interesting to me because at your business, at a business, like you have a pipeline and you have a funnel. And when you build a good business, you're like, all right, there's a 90% chance that blank is going to happen. And I understand that business. America is kind of like a business just with 330 million people and like a weird cover, uh, a weird corporate structure where like you can't really like do whatever you got to get all these checks and balances and all this shit done. But what's, isn't it kind of fascinating that we still don't entirely understand the cause or the solution to a lot of these different problems? That's always been very unsatisfying. It's like stock market goes up or down. Then there's like this race to make up the cause. And it's like, um, okay, so you're saying every time that happens, this will happen? No. Okay, so you're saying that you could have foreseen this? Well, it's like, and what it is, is like, you know, sort of this backwards application of narratives. And it's not that there was no cause or there is no true narrative. It's just that it's not easy or clear to see what is the true cause and what are the true narratives amongst the many possible explanations and reasonings you could have, right? Like, did it rain today because I did this dance? Or did it rain today because, you know, the clouds have, you know, heavy, whatever, precipitation? And why do they have that? Well, because of the changes in weather and whatever else. Like, you know, it's very it's very hard to separate the people who think things are happening because they did the fun, they think it's raining because they did a funny dance. 
It's just that we can predict certain human behavior relatively reliably. Um, like, you know, the whole Pavlov's dog thing. Like, I, I know that if I do this, this, and this, most of the time uh, a creature is going to react by doing X, Y, and Z. And I was, and it just kind of has always baffled me. I'm like, well, why can't we just take all of this input and put it together and figure out what the solution or what the cause is? And that's always baffled me. And it also freaks me out that uh, so many people who I view as smart say opposite things. Do you follow a Zero Hedge on Twitter? Yeah. So Zero Hedge is like this pretty hardcore, I don't know if it's like libertarian is the best way to describe it, but like they're pretty much always like doom and gloom. And every article is written by the guy from Fight Club. What's his name? Tyler Tyler, Durden. Tyler Durden, yeah. And every article is written uh, by that guy. uh, And their Twitter profile, they only tweet in caps. Every tweet is is in caps lock. And they tweet, they tweet the scariest stuff all the time. And it's incredibly easy to believe and trust for some reason, because I don't know what it is about emotion that I just automatically assume that the worst is actually the truth. And I I've had to like unfollow that. Did you, have you ever, do you follow that handle? Yeah, for sure. And I, I would not unfollow it, but I, I totally get what you mean, which is that like, um, if you follow zero hedge, you're just like, wow. All of the big people in charge are sort of idiots and all of the stuff that's going up is, you know, overvalued and overinflated and over everything. And like, you know, no matter how bad it is, it could get worse. Don't think that this is the end of the pain. Right. And, and and that, you know, like people have said this about like, you know, people who predict crashes and recessions, it's sort of like this guy's predicted, you know, a recession 13 out of the last three times it's happened. And it's like, you know, if you're every year you predict a crash, you know, um, you'll be seen as a genius because you predict it for three straight years. It's like, you, then it happens like, well, you weren't wrong. You were just a little early. And then like, you know, all those years where things are going up, um, you know, you're again, you're just sort of like, you're just early. And so it, it kind of pays. Uh, somebody said this the other day, like I would say in general, like it, in a bear market, you know, it pays to be a pessimist. And in a bull market, it sort of uh, pays to be an optimist. And somebody who's always a pessimist or somebody who's always an optimist is not going to have like long-term success. The ability to shift gears between like optimism and pessimism and knowing when to do what is a like highly underrated trait that uh, very few people have. Let me tell you what I'm doing with the. I don't exactly have a biz. I don't really have like a business business, but I have a a, a small version of that that might become a proper business. Let me tell you what I'm doing, and then you tell me what you're going to do. But basically, my reasoning. And keep in mind, I'm like a, I feel so stupid when it comes to this finance and economy stuff. I don't know. I, I really don't, don't understand anything. But my belief is basically like, well, now's the bottom. And I actually discovered this with the hustle where I was like, I was creating something that people kind of dismissed or thought it couldn't work. But then it takes like four, five, six years to get to like uh, a substantial business and by that point, people took it seriously, and I was the biggest and the best, and therefore could get acquired or was making a lot of the revenue. So with my the thing I'm working on now, my my logic is, well, now is the time to work really, really hard, and it might suck for one or two or three years, but when things start changing a little bit, that's actually around the time where I'm going to have a team, I'm going to have process, I'll have systems, I'll have product market fit, and then we could accelerate really hard then because we've already done the, the hard work during the hard times. Is that is that kind of how you're looking right. at it too a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think that's um, that's definitely the case. So what what I'd said was I said kind of kind of three things to myself. I said number one, this is a good chance to remember what I truly believe. It's like and this is like first I needed to calm my nerves because if I'm in a sort of fight or flight, if I'm in a state of like panic, anxiety, and stress, I already know my decision making is not very good. My decision making is at best rushed and at worst, it's, uh, you know, like operating from a place of fear. And therefore, all I'm trying to do is like, um, you know, like minimize pain and never like get any any advantage out of it. Just like minimize the amount of disadvantage I'm having in the short term. And so our, my first step for me is get out of a fight or flight mindset. And so that, that's where I first just check myself. I'm like. Well, what do I really believe? I truly believe this in the bottom of my heart. I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I truly believe that like, if I look at my life over like a 10 to 20 year period from here, right? I'm in my early thirties. So by the time I'm 40 or 50, 
Like, I think I'm going to have more money than I'll ever know what to do with. To me, that's like the spoiler of my life. It's like if I flip to the end of the book, I'm like, oh, it ends happily ever after. Yeah, like I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that, like, I'm just going to keep doing business projects. I'm going to keep investing in things. And like on the whole, I'm going to end up so far ahead, even if any individual investment or any individual business project doesn't work out in a 10 to 20 year period. That when I check the score at the end of the game, like I'm going to be ahead. I'm going to have more money than I know what to do with in my personal life. I truly believe that about myself. So if I knew that was the ending, then there's no real reason to panic. Like if I know that's what the score is at the end of the fourth quarter, then like it doesn't really matter what happens in the first quarter. Like I should, I should for sure be playing and doing my best, but like it doesn't matter if I fall behind or if I lose a little bit of money here. If, I, if the score doesn't go my way for this next 12 to 18 months, that's okay. So that, that it's like, I got to remember, do I believe that or not? All right. I do believe that then chill first, chill the fuck out. Okay. That's, that's like Dude, stage wait, one. L- wait, let All me, right, let stage- me tell you something though, really quick to, to let me be the huge pessimist here. Um, I believe that yeah. that is true about you as well. I believe that that is true about a, a bunch of people who we know, but here's the thing that I think about all the time. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have more money than I know what to do with when I'm 70. I want to fuck it now when I'm young and I can experience all this crazy stuff and like enjoy life. I don't want it then. I want it now. By, by then, I don't care. Like I'll, I, I'm okay with having way less. I want it today. I want the freedom now when I'm healthy and can go do whatever I want. That's why I, I freak I'm, I'm out. With I'm like, you. I'm with you, but it's sooner the better. It's not now or never. So sooner the better is very different than now or never. And so, okay, we got a sooner the better mindset. So we're going to take a bunch of shots. We're going to take a bunch of action now to increase the odds that it comes sooner rather than later. The second thing is, does it matter? Did my day-to-day actually change because my stock portfolio, my crypto portfolio, my net worth changed, right? Like your net worth, it's not a figment of your imagination, but it's sort of like a figment of your uh, like ego or sort of like a figment of your like perceived sense of safety. And so like in reality, the stock market go down, the crypto market go down. It doesn't actually change my like day-to-day lifestyle or comfort based on where I'm at. For some people, it's going to change that. But for me, it's not going to change that. So that also t- helps take the edge off, which allows me to think with a clear head. Then I start thinking, all right. You're not changing, how you're, you're not changing to, your spending pattern? Oh, uh, like in a small way, but nothing that like my happiness on a day-to-day level doesn't change whether I, you know, like, uh, like, you know, have a, chef or not you know like oh oh, cool it's cooking season then (laughs) right Uh, okay cool i'm buying i'm going to like i went to trader joe's yesterday instead of whole foods yeah i shift some i shift some small decisions but like that's cool trader joe's is sick like you know who cares like those sorts of things don't actually like sway how i feel wait i I was gonna get another car did you actually Uh, do that i guess i'll hold off on that you're doing trader joe's now trader joe's yeah like literally Literally, yeah. Like, but again, I like Trader Joe's. It's not, not a big problem for me because <laughs> I drove four extra blocks and went to the Trader Joe's. Um, you know, like, cool. So, you know, so, so you know, f- and again, not everybody is fortunate where like these are like their situations. I get that. Uh, but like, I'd like to believe that in general, my my day to day like kind of happiness quotient is not so so weak that it's like dependent on these like material or like you know like frivolous things it's like oh you know sometimes i get stuck in traffic well guess what i don't know Crank man. the radio baby a, it's a concert right like a big ass honey crisp apple from whole foods it's not trivial if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but. I, I don't know i've always had this feeling of like I, i've always kept myself honest which is what i want is to have uh you know a fat mansion and be eating a feast with all the people I, my friends and you know family like all at the table we're laughing and joking that's my ideal but what's even better than that? What's even better than having the sick mansion with the feast with all your friends and family all around you and you're laughing at the great joke you just cracked? Okay, that's what I thought was the peak. But the actual peak of the peak is you're the type of person that you can get stuck in an elevator and have fun because right. then you're invincible. What's better than invincible mode is like you can put me in the shittiest situation and I'm still going to be laughing. Okay, so now, now what? Now I don't really have anything to fear because my, my, my situation, my, my feelings weren't dependent on having all those, those items. All right. Even though I prefer them. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think that I guess like, yeah, I do make some shifts in my like lifestyle, but it's not like to me, I'm like, Oh cool. It's a new season. Like it's tightening up season. It's like, you know, it's like getting shredded for the summer for, you know, your body. It's like, cool. I'm also going to go and cancel a bunch of subscriptions. I don't care about because it'll make me feel good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm putting a healthy amount of discipline in. Like I kind of accrued a bunch of excess fat when it was one season 
and now it's time to cleanse and like, good, like, you know, where, where am I spending that I don't really want to be spending? You know, where are we, where are we advertising that's inefficient? You know, who's on our payroll. That's not really pulling their weight. Good. Let's get rid of all that weight. Now is a spring cleaning baby. Right. So it's like, that's the next step for me is like, you Dude, do I, an uh, actual spring cleaning and be excited about it. I've been using Truebill. This is not an ad, but have you seen it? Yeah. It's called Truebill. I bought like the hundred dollar subscription. Have you ever used that? Do you know what that I is? I haven't used it, but I've used stuff like it. Yeah, it basically like looks at your subscriptions and like suggests how does it know what you're not using? It suggests what to cut, right? Or yeah, like them. Like I didn't realize that me and Sarah both had Amazon Prime subscriptions. Like apparently, I thought I canceled right. one of them, and so it catches that. And it also like I just see how much I'm spending every month, and I'll say you have an upcoming three hundred dollar subscription coming up, and it's like oh that's my trainer. Um, but there's been times where I'm like, oh damn, I thought I didn't know I had Xbox Live or whatever the hell that thing's called. Uh, it's a $29 thing and it's coming <laughs> up. And so you can like cancel it. But then what they do is if you need to cancel something that you want to call, they'll like do it for you. They'll do it for you. Yeah, it's pretty dope. cool. Um, yeah. And so, so that's another piece of this, which is uh, me, me, Ben and Safon, we were hanging out this morning. And so we, you know, we all hung out together and we we're getting our coffee for our, that's the Milk Road team. And we're like, uh, or like part of it. And we were like, okay, let's just make a real list real quick. Let's assume for a second, assume this market condition, these market conditions last for the next, let's call it 18 months. So let's assume the stock market, yeah, it'll bounce back from like whatever, it'll find some low and it'll bounce back a little bit, but it's not going to be like, all right, baby, we're back to, you know, everything just keeps going up. We all printed money, right? That's not going to happen. Let's say for, for the next cycle, um, same thing with crypto. Let's say that, you know, companies, you know, they're not giving out raises or hiring as much. Let's say that customers tighten up their spending. So revenues go down across the board. Like, cool. Let's assume all that to be true. Do we also believe that like, like first, some things are going to die. Some things are going to survive and some things are going to thrive. True bill is something that thrives during a time like this, right? Because it's helping you bring some, you know, austerity or like, you know, uh, financial discipline into your life. So people are going to want that product more. So they're going to thrive. What else is going to thrive? Maybe short sellers are going to thrive right now because they've been betting that the market's going to go down. And sure enough, it has. Who else is going to thrive? You know, the guy who's been sitting on a bunch of cash on the sidelines is like, oh, actually, like there's things that I think are valuable businesses like, you know, Facebook and Amazon that are trading at all times, sort of like, you know, lows in the last decade. Like now's the time to dollar cost average into these companies, into these, Dude, how about- these assets. How about Moise Ali saying he had in the interview you did with him saying he had 50 million in cash and he was like, I just am waiting. It's like, oh, okay. Now, uh, yeah, I understand what you, now, I, now I understand your, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, just as like a small anecdote, like I remember maybe seven years ago, six years ago, something like that. I don't know. I bought Bitcoin for the first, I think I bought 10 grand of Bitcoin back when Bitcoin was like at 600, $700, it's like 700 bucks. And the next week it goes up to 800 and I'm like, there we go, baby. Just as I wanted Buy the thing price goes up. Love it when they stick to the script. And uh, like, I think two weeks later or something like that, I don't know, make it up timelines here, but very short soon after that Bitcoin crashed to like $200. So my, like what was 800 was now, you know, I lost, you know, whatever, 75%. I don't know public math, but you get the idea. Lost a bunch of money in that process. And at that time, $10,000, like I was making, hundred and fifty K a year, I think was like my salary. Actually, definitely. Not I made either 120 or 160. So that Dude, my, I, I remember job. when that was, and I remember you told me you made 150 grand a year in salary. And I was like, Oh my God, you're the richest person I know. <laughs> yeah. I was the richest person I knew at that time. So I was like, and you know, and actually like in reality, I was underpaid for, you know, what I was doing, but in my head, I was I was like, wow, don't say anything. They might realize how much money they're paying you. You know, like that was like, I was so honored to be making that kind of money. So, um, and like, I feel good that I was honored. Like it feels, it's, it's great to feel honored at what you're getting. That's actually an awesome feeling to be in versus consistently dissatisfied. Um, but like, I remember it went down to 200. I walk into the office and I was like, bitching about the, like the crash of, I was like my Bitcoin. Cause like, you know, I'm very public when I invest in things, which makes me often look like a dummy, but occasionally makes me look very smart. And I was like, oh, guys, my Bitcoin purchase, my, 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 I forgot what I put in 10 or 20 grand, something like that. I was like, it's, uh, it's like all gone now. And Furkan was like, um, he was like, this is great, right? Like, you know, do you like, do you believe less in Bitcoin just like than you did two weeks ago? Like, did you learn some new information? 
like besides the price changing, like, did you learn any new information about Bitcoin that makes you less bullish on Bitcoin? I was like, no, like barely knew anything to begin with. And like, you know, nothing changed. And he's like, cool. So like, if you bought now, you could bring your average cost basis down to like 400. And I was like, oh, I guess that's true. And I went home and I did it. And I was like, I, like, I remember going from like just what I thought was the only response. I thought the only response is bitch and moan. And then he kind of pointed out, well, like, did your actual conviction change or just the valuation? I was like, right. well, I don't know. My conviction didn't change. Not, not to say I had a ton of like very well thought through conviction at the time, but like it didn't change. And so I did. I, I lowered my cost basis to 400. Now, as Bitcoin, Bitcoin today is trading at like, I don't know, 2,300 or 23,000 or something like that. But like, let's say on the average last year, it's been like 30K. So that that's the difference between basically like an 8X and a 4X in your return was that one conversation during that one time. And I've heard this many, many times before, which is like, you know, fortunes are built during these bear market times. And it's really for two reasons. Number one, if you start a company, you're going to be like the lean, mean cockroach. You're not going to have too much competition and you're going to build up your, your kind of team and consumer base now. Um, so that as, you know, as the tide lifts all the boats, you're the biggest fucking boat. That's what happened to you with the hustle. And like, that's what happened to many companies that started during, you know, let's say the, the recessions or bear markets. The same thing happens with investing. It's like, well, the goal, if your strategy with investing is to only buy in when things are going up and then like sell or do nothing when prices go down, like you have inadvertently subscribed to a buy high, sell low strategy. And like, right. you know, I think we know that that's not a winning strategy. And so like, um, you know, well, then what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is to if you have conviction or if there are good assets that are underpriced temporarily, like there's a dislocation because of panic and fear, like those are the times where you're supposed to buy in. Very hard to do so because your mentality is like, like, I just lost a ton of money. I don't feel like going and putting more at risk. But in reality, we kind of know that is the right thing to do for the if you could pick assets properly. Dude, what I've been learning about this and I tweeted this out was like, I'd rather just earn more income and build more companies than worry about these losses. Um, so let me, t can, can I, let's, let's shift a little bit. Can I tell you about a company or this? Uh, you remember how you said, I, I find these things that are kind of interesting and weird. I found another one and I want <laughs> to tell it. you about it. All right. Have you heard of this conference called shop talk? Shop talk. No. Uh, but the right. name sounds familiar. One second. Let me go to this. So, so start to describe it. Let me see if I have heard of this. All right. So it's a conference right. that I think you would have been involved in because it's for e-commerce people. But it's not just like, e right. it's not like D2C entrepreneurs. It's like Shopify as well as like every Shopify plugin as well as like uh, retail brands. Like like the founder of, or the CEO of J. Crew might go and talk to like the, C talk on a panel with like the Someone at Stripe. I don't know. Just like it's like online commerce, but like for retail stuff. Does that make sense? But it's like so, B2B. Well, sorry, give me the use case. So who who goes? I'm a I'm an e-com store. So should I go to this? Uh, probably not. But if you're like you would go and speak and like executives at Gap would be like, oh, like these young startups, here's what they're doing. Maybe we should like consider changing our strategy to X, Y and Z. Or we're we're making gotcha. apps for this. We're making software for this ecosystem. Let's go and talk to other apps, and maybe we could do business together. Does that make sense? L let me ask you slightly, slightly differently. There's like kind of like trade shows or like it's a trade show conferences where it's okay. It's more like a trade show. Gotcha. It's a trade show. All right, but here's where things get interesting. So the guy who started it, I linked uh, to his uh, his LinkedIn down there uh, in the document, and yep. I think his name's Jonathan Weiner. And he has this co-founder. He's an Indian guy named... I forget the Indian guy's name. But uh, so listen to their background. And let me tell you what they're doing now and why this is so fascinating. So I linked, linked an article from Vox. And it said the guys behind Money 2020 Conference want to do the same thing, but for commerce. So what, that's, what that will explain is basically this guy, Jonathan, and his partner, they started a company... By the way, I saw you smirk when I said the guy's last name. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I was trying so hard to come up with a good joke, uh, and I just, you know, my filter in my brain was like, you know what? Not worth the risk. This data is wrong every freaking time. Have you heard of HubSpot? 
HubSpot is a CRM platform where everything is fully integrated. Whoa, I can see the client's whole history, calls, support tickets, emails, and here's a task from three days ago I totally missed. HubSpot, grow better. So this guy and his partner, uh, Jonathan Weiner and his, and his Indian partner, it's, it's like you and you and me, like Weiner and the brown guy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, this guy, they had an ad tech company as well as a payment software business that they sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. And then oddly, they went and started a conference and it was called Money 2020, which was like a fintech payment processors trade show business. And within two years, they scaled it to like 30 or 25 million in revenue with 10 million in profit. And they sold it for $100 million. Right when they sold it, they went and started the same thing and they called it Shop Talk and they did it for commerce and they sold that for over $100 million. And they sold both Money 2020 and Shop Talk to two different publicly traded companies. So, all these numbers that I'm saying, um, you can actually go and look at the numbers and like wow. verify the acquisition price as well as the revenue. Now, I noticed that one of the founders spun off and he's doing a different thing called like the FinTech meetup or something involving FinTech. And then the other guy is doing one called Health. It's pronounce health it's spelled h-l-t-h.com and he's doing this a, a trade show business for healthcare, and they're basically wow. doing the same strategy every single time and if you go to all three <laughs> of their of their conference websites and you click the about page they have these really cool cartoons about uh cartoons instead of like headshots of each employee they just do cartoons they've done that for every single about page so they're more likely than not like hiring like the same people the same graphic designers yeah. the because they're not compete yeah they're not compete probably says like look you can't create anything in the fintech space anymore you can't create a thing in the commerce space anymore and they're like all right let's do health let's do this let's do that and it's so interesting that they're getting into conference and trade show businesses as opposed to software and they've crushed it they are crushing it and they don't raise money and they just like it's like every three years they start something and sell it for a hundred million dollars and it's the same thing and they've done it two or three times now isn't that crazy this is amazing that you've done it again, Sam. You have done it again, dude. I love these. In fact, I remember you telling me about Money 2020 a little while back because you've always been interested in conferences, trade shows, businesses from the HustleCon days. And uh, I remember every time you told me about these, I was like sort of consistently blown away as to how much money these make. Um, now, what do you think is the playbook to do this? Because like, for example, well, just kind of in transparency, we've talked about this with the Milk Road of like, dude, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of money and there's a lot of moving parts to like people who are, you know, have some interest in this, whether it's like wall street, people kind of want to get educated on this stuff. Uh, you know, ins- insurance, you know, uh, let's call it like mutual funds, hedge funds, bankers, whatever. And then there's like crypto people, there's VCs, there's like all these different people who are like professionals and there are tons of conferences, right? So it's, it's not like some uncompetitive space, but what are these guys doing that's better or different? Because I don't believe most conferences businesses are scaling this fast or selling for this much. So what are the, what's this guy? What are their what's their playbook compared to how most people do it? Do you know? A little bit. So the misconception I, with a lot of these make some conjecture, make some guesses, because of course yeah. we don't know exactly. And I've tried to like deconstruct it just based on the outside. But so the misconception about conferences is that you need cool speakers and people come to watch content and. As I've studied these guys and read their quotes and figured out exactly how they do it, and I ran a conference business that made millions of dollars a year, I've realized that the real money, like the $20, $30, $40 million a year money, it's not necessarily a conference. It's a three-day transactional event. It's You're creating eBay or you're creating Main Street with stores on the street and renting it out. You're creating that, but it just so happens that's going to happen in three days. So a year's worth of business is going to happen in three days. And so what you have to think about is you're... Your speakers are just the bait to get the right people to come. And then once a certain right people are coming, the rest of the right people will come. And they're justifying all of it in the, they're justifying all of it by a couple things. The first thing, they're justifying it because they say, shit, our competitor is there. We have to be there. So that's like a really big thing. And so I've talked to my friend, um, uh, who runs Blockworks, that other crypto media site, and they have this huge crypto business and he was like man it's pretty crazy like if blank company is coming other company is like oh we got to come and can we like get a better booth than them and so that's like a really common thing but the second thing and more logical thing is all right look if we're gonna buy this hundred thousand dollar booth 
we got to close all these deals. Who's, you know, what shot callers are going to be there? And we have to do a really good job of making transactions happen. So that's the really big thing is you have to realize that this, so there's this guy named Sheldon Adelson. Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's like the um, Vegas casino uh, guy, right? Or is that his cousin? Yeah, he's a mean as fuck old billionaire. He's like known for being like a huge asshole and he's worth like 20 or 40 billion dollars. Job of the Hut looking guy? Yeah, like he's like looks like this and he like thinks that like weed is like the end of the world and so he like buys uh, all these ads about how like weed is. You remember like uh, those commercials like Julie used to care about stuff. Now she just smokes weed all day. And it, you know, like it's like it's like someone like this is melting your on, on the couch. This is your egg, this is your brain on weed and it's like cracks an egg. Yeah, it was it, it was like it, it was like <laughs> they used to have these commercials with like these someone like melting into the couch and they're like, She used to go for runs all the time. Now she just sits and watch TV. And like anyway, he's like this huge anti weed guy. And so but he's this like ninety year old guy. I think I forget what he owns, but it's like the largest the way, he basically This guy definitely just had like a bad weed experience. He like definitely smoked weed in college and like Peter's pants got made fun of for it. Like there's gotta be some deep rooted like I looked personal it up. angst. What is it? So th- it is serious. His kid I think became a drug addict and he like thought and this guy like grouped weed and in, in, into the same as all that other bullshit, which is not which I think is right. crazy. But he basically started uh, this event called Comdex, which eventually was acquired for a billion dollars by SoftBank, and it be- and it became uh, what's that thing? The CES. Consumer Electronic CES. And I read, uh, I would read all these old articles about him, and he goes, "You know, you're in the conference business, and now you're in the real estate business, building up Las Vegas Strip. What are you doing?" And he goes, "Well, the conference business is the real estate business. What I learned early on was I got to get people and foot traffic to my event, and then I'm just selling real estate at a crazy high square footage." And uh, it's the same thing. And so that's why I'm into real estate now. And he basically right. built up all these hotels. I forget all the casinos he owns. There's like three big Vegas casinos and he owns one of the biggest ones. And uh, anyway, so these events are rooted in like real estate and foot traffic. And so that's really how you do it. And the second thing is it's got to be B2B. Of course, a fucking TED Talk is like the coolest thing out there. But like, you know, people coming to like hear talk about why sleep matters or like how to cure malaria. That's unfortunately not where the money is. If your name is anything but Ted. So if you're anyone else, but Ted don't do these like sexy things, do boring ass B2B. We're here to get some deals done and we're going to sell you some shit. You know, it's a bunch of, a bunch of white dudes with uh, tight blue jeans and like those Brown leather shoes and tucked in collar shirts, just like, you know, sales bros. That's what, that's like where the money is. At least 40% of participants must have a tucked in button up shirt uh, or polo. And, uh, you know, like half the jokes need to be about their wife, uh, you know, like something, something complaining about their wife. And then, uh, like, if you said the old ball and chain, you'd get like a default smirk from anybody. You know, like their badge needs to be like, you know, semi tucked in under the belly. Like, that's who you need at these conferences for this to work. Yeah. And if you don't have a tucker in your crew, you're out. You're just you're not part of this. You have to have a tucker in your crew. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, There's like a dog, like a bomb sniffing dog that's just looking for tuckers in line. Yeah. It's like, guys, there's not enough tuckers in this in this queue. Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what it's a German like. shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where it seems the money is. Um, is like joining these uh industries that are fast growing and making it a a, a real estate you thinking like a real estate person. And how do you um, how do they go get people to go buy these tickets? So like I'm I'm assuming they're basically selling or is their model you sell tickets for a couple thousand each and then you sell sponsor booths for you know tens of thousands each something like that um, is that the model? I think what they do. So I went and looked at their revenue, and so their revenue in year one is like two or three million, and then in year two it's like twelve, and then year three it's like thirty. So based off of that, and it's a bunch of marketing materials, and as well as their headcount on their about page, I think what they do is they, A, just give away a bunch in the first year. In the first year, you're just trying not to lose your shirt. Um, And I also think that they, when they sell sponsorships, which are actually can be easier to sell for these things... They like only give away X amount of tickets. And for the rest of the people to come, you have to purchase it. And once you get a certain amount of sponsors, it's kind of like we used to host we used to host events and we would purposely have like as many speakers as possible because each speaker would bring like 10 people. 
And so I think it's kind of like that right. where each sponsored company automatically brings a small crew and that is how they actually do it. And because they don't, I, and I, they spend a lot in marketing though. And they, ha- based on their team, Especially, they have it's digital like that, You know that folks. Spider-Man meme? The Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other like yeah, the yeah, other yeah. Spider-Man. It's that, but just sponsors at the booth being like, buy my stuff. <laughs> Buy my thing. No, buy my, like you buy my thing. Yeah. I'm here to sell, not to buy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a circular economy of just like you know buying buying one another's crap. Um, but uh, anyway, it's kind of cool what they're doing, and I think this business. I think events can be a headache, but there's a way like that with, you can build it. What? What I would do, by the way, if I was international, I would study these guys, and I would do the exact same thing in Europe. Then I would do the exact same thing in Australia. I would do the exact same thing in India and in China and in South Africa. Like wherever you are, there is a version of this that can be built locally that is not going to be competitive with these guys. They're basically like, this is a clonable template, in my opinion. I'm sure it takes good execution. I'm not, not saying that, but I think this is a business that can like generically work in other markets and so either there other verticals be, or other countries. There can be more than one winner. You know, like you can go to more right. than one conference a year. And so it, it's not a winner-take-all business. So it's kind of interesting. And interestingly, all the companies that have bought these guys' companies have been European. And I looked online about what they were doing. And one of the big things that they were doing was, at, first of all, they've gotten really good at selling. So they host the event in 2022. And, and at the end of 2022, they already have a, 90% of the revenue for 2023. Because you sell the you upsell the people like right away for the next year, and you could sell multiple years. Back for next the second year. thing that they're doing is they're starting to charge money for online communities. So like, all right, you met at the conference, you can keep this up, and like, and so they're doing online communities, and that's one of the reasons. That's the business, one of the business I'm interested in, and that's why I've been studying this and figuring this out. It's just, this is a super fascinating right. thing, I think. It is. This is great. Uh, I really like this one. Um, anything else on this? Otherwise, we could do another topic. No, I don't. I fucking I just so I have I have I so much stuff backloaded by the way uh, and I know I spent like half of 40 minutes of this podcast just being like the mentality of a downturn but again I think it's the most whether you're an employee you're an employer or you're an investor like nobody is going to be spared from the economy going into a recession the stock market tanking and the crypto markets tanking and global inflation like this is like a <laughs> You know, like <laughs> you like Oprah comes out and she's like, you know, you get a disaster, you get a disaster, you get a disaster to everybody, right? Like nobody is going to be untouched by the effects of this. Some people are going to get hit to the point where their business goes under, they declare bankruptcy personally or in the business, whatever. Right? That's going to happen. But I don't see anybody getting untouched by like a stack of problems like that. Man, when I remember when there, Biden was saying that Putin was going to invade, uh, invade uh, Ukraine. And uh, I was like reading about Putin and listening to Ben's podcast, How to Take Over the World. And I was like, hey, Putin, why do you why do you want to fuck this up for everyone? Like, things are pretty awesome right now. Like, what are you thinking? Like, just I that, that, that's just the conversation I wanted to have. Like, you know, like Putin, like everything's pretty, pretty good. What what what? Like, you're going to blow this for everyone. We're all going to get screwed. And that's like right. a conversation that I've that it's I've like been the kid to in class who's. The kid in class who raises his hand is just like, hey, miss, you forgot to collect the homework. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> are you joking? Yeah. We are seven minutes away from getting out of here. <laughs> dude, do you buy? OK, so this is like sounds like a very like uh, yuppie asshole thing to say, but I don't really look at gas prices because they don't I drive that much. But, you know, it's just like it's it, I got to buy gas and it's not going to hurt me. To, yeah. However much it costs, I'll buy it. it and uh, I was driving up here from Austin to Brooklyn, where I'm living now, and I was listening to the news, and they were talking about gas prices, and I was like, oh, shit, I haven't even looked at the gas prices while I've been driving up here. I, I, I wonder what it is. And it was like 550 and it was crazy. And again, I know like what the news was saying, but I just wasn't looking because I don't drive that much. What's the gas in California where you are? Are you paying like 650 $7 a gallon. How the fuck are normal people doing this? <laughs> That is crazy. That is crazy. Seven dollars. Yeah, when you said five fifty, I was like, "Wait, you're saying you found a good deal?" You were trying to say that's a bad deal, right? I thought that was real. I mean, I haven't lived in California in two years. I remember in California it was five dollars, but Wait, uh, what, what is it in Austin? 
dude, I don't even know. I just looked in like West Virginia when I was driving up here. I, I don't pay attention to gas prices. I don't drive that much. And I just don't, I'm buying it no matter what it says. Uh, but like $7, how, this is, we're, we sound By like the way, such fucking fools I, right now. How much gas does a car take? I don't even know. Like, I mean, it would cost like $150, <laughs> I guess, to fill up. Like, like how big is a tank? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I drive an gallons? SUV, so it's like, you know, 20 gallons, basically. Um, all right, Jonathan says it's about <laughs> 4, $450 in Austin. Dude, so you're spending $150 to get gas. Yes. Um, yeah, it's bad. But, uh, you know, asking for a friend, you know, like, okay, I got like a, you know, a car that says like, you should use the good, you know, pay the most when you go to the gas station. You're like, pick the pick the top of the th- the three options. Um, like, let's just say. What, what do you drive? Just, What's your SUV? I got a BMW uh, X5. Mm. And so it's like. Let's say your boy's been uh, putting the shitty one in for a while. Like, you know, does this matter? Is this is this like marketing or, uh, you know, like, do I pay some price later in life or do I pay some price now? Like, I actually never really knew how big of a deal that is. Like, is it pretty strict? I don't know. I, I, but you're paying. I, I feel like, you know, Ben. I don't know, but I'm going to be honest. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound like that's what you want to be doing. To me, I'm like, you know. Is this, this seems like a recommendation, not a rule. And, uh, you know, so I've been going with the uh, 87, whatever that stands for, instead of the like 90 or whatever the, the, the top end gas is. And I've just been Wait, like, you so, know, okay, so. The most expensive you know, thing whatever. is Is this like eating McDonald's? It's, uh, the most, yeah, the, I don't even know what the, yeah, it's basically around seven bucks, uh, seven bucks a gallon. I think it's, I think that's kind of the top. Oh uh, my like God. Or something. That's crazy. Yeah. That's that's wild. So every 18 miles is $7 for you basically. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even think about it. Like it is what it is. I need to get places and like that's the cost of gas right now. Like what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm not going to drive to West Virginia and get gas. Uh I'm not going to not drive around, you know, like I do need to go places and so, you know, it is what it is. Of course, it's not a big deal for you, but uh you remember how we were talking we were talking about how the economy was crushing for years and years. And I've got so many friends that they're like, man, I've got, I've been in, in my apartment for a year and a half for two years. I've got a money burning hole in my pocket. Like I, I haven't bought anything out. I have, I have all time high savings. I'm ready to save. And all these people are quitting their jobs. Cause they're like, F that. Like I get these checks. I've saved up money. Like I'm not taking this thing at $7 a gallon. Like people are just going to run out, I guess. Right. I mean, like you're just going to run out of savings. A huge yeah, amount I mean, of people. You, again, you, you again, you got to cut back, right? So, you know, I cut back down to that low end gas so I could, you know, save the 30, 40 cents a gallon. Other people are just going to drive less. So they're going to take public transport or they're going to carpool or they're going to find something like people will find a way is, you know, my general mentality. And like, uh, I don't know. I spent a lot of my life living in like Jakarta or like Beijing. And you just see people like in Beijing right next to our house. There's just people just shucking corn like all day in a they're just sitting in a squat, just like removing husks from corn for like 10 hours straight in the heat. And they were just like, you know, and then they would like take their break and smoke a cigarette and play some Mahjong. And like, you know, like that's just what they did. And they were fine. And then like, you know, your driver had a different set of problems. And like in Jakarta, like in India, people just burn trash on the side of the road because <laughs> there's no like waste removal thing. So they're like, you burn it and then it's gone. It's like, yeah, but like it smells awful all day. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is like how air smells. I was like, no, 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 man, that's not how air has to smell. But like, you know, I don't know. You the the range of how humans can live, survive, and thrive is so much wider than like, you know, the average person thinks. Um, and so I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just don't really pay too much attention. It's just like <laughs> you have to like I don't know. <laughs> you just have to like kind of figure out how to govern yourself in a new world. It's like, do, are you a self governing individual or not? Because like if you are not a self-governing individual, every day you're going to get punched in the face with bad news right now. And like you got to learn how to parry a punch. Otherwise, you are going to get like knocked out by just Dude, taking most these jabs people, to the nose every day. Mo- like I just got done. I was in Missouri for two weeks. Most people aren't like that. They're just like they're most people are not that resourceful. That's what I've I've learned. Uh, I, I actually think that. Our audience is like that. Most are not like, oh, I got to go start something. I got to do this. I got to. I think most people will just are are just going to be fucked. That's I mean, that's really what I think. 
So, so I'm writing a book right now. I don't know if I told you this. I'm writing, writing a book. I'm using that like scribe media thing where you they like write the book for you or whatever. But like, is it it's awesome? your content. They just they write the words after you say it to the guy on the phone for like two hours every like week or something. Uh, I don't know if it's awesome. I'm loving doing it because I'm like, oh, cool. I get to like put something down on paper. Like, I don't know. This is fun. Um, and I'm not going to like sell the book. I don't, I'm going to do something different with it, but whatever. So basically point is um, the start of my book is that um, everybody wants the same things. Like everybody wants to be like wealthy. Everybody wants to be like in great relationships, great family. And everybody wants to be like in, you know, great shape. And you look at like, okay, cool. So like, if everybody wants that and that's all achievable, then certainly, you know, like most people are doing that. No. Okay. Half people are, do- it's like most people have the exact opposite of that result. Most marriages are ending in you know, unhappy or ending in divorce. Most people in America are, are, you know, overweight or obese. And most people don't have like, you know, uh, but, you know more than $10,000 of savings in the bank or whatever for like a rainy day. And so everybody wants the same things. Everybody wants to be, you know, uh, you know, rich fit and madly in love and in fact everybody has the opposite and so like if if you think like most people think you're going to do what most people do and you're going to get the result most people get and the sad truth is that the results most people are getting are not very good and like i so that's the start of my like that's the premise of my book and um that's the start and then the 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 second part of of i guess like i would say a controversial thing about me is um i am totally okay not taking into consideration most people's situation. I am to- <laughs> so like, for example, I always, I, I and it sounds like an asshole thing. I understand. I said it in a purposely provocative way, right? I did not want to soften that. Um, what do I mean by that? Like I always talked about like, Oh, I love to teach and I want to be a teacher. Um, so most people see that as like some like mother Teresa, you know, like sort of like save the world, like be the educator who helps all. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I do not want to try to educate everybody or teach everybody. I'm like, most people are horrible students. They don't want to learn anything. They're not going to learn anything. They're not going to do anything with, even if you told them the exact right answer or how to think, they're just not going to do it. So like, why would I waste my energy doing that? Like, no, no, no. My preference is like in a, in a population of a hundred percent of people, there's like 3% that like really want to know the answer. And of them, maybe like 20% of them are going to be able to actually take action on it. Like I'm only going to try to teach the driven and motivated and capable. Like, and that is not a like society, like socially acceptable point of view. Um, but it is my like operating philosophy is to like uh, myself. I focus on the controlling the things I can control and not other things. And secondly, like even when I'm like talking about what most people should do, I know that most people are not going to be able to do that or want to do that or choose to do that. That's okay. I'm not talking to most people. I'm talking to the one to 3% of the population who like wants to thrive in those ways. and. Uh, I hope everybody else said, listens to it and says, this guy's a jerk and like, does it's so out of touch. It's like, and they leave, uh, they leave my orbit and they unfollow me completely because I'm like, uh, I, w- I am trying to be intentionally out of touch in the same way that I intentionally <laughs> avoid the news. That's hilarious. It, it is my, part of my core strategy is to be out of touch and avoid the news. And like not, not, not learn from or speak to the common denominator of the population. And I, I know that all of that sounds completely awful to some people. And, uh, but you know, I'm okay with that. Like, it, I, I do believe even if you disagree with that, uh, I hope you agree that like, I'm allowed to have that choice to, to do that. And if you don't think I have the choice to do that, um, like, you know, then I disagree with you and all of your, your ways of living. Yeah, you're like if you, I get that. If if you don't if you don't think that my opinion's good, I get that, and you're fine. But you're wrong, and I hate you. That's basically no, no, no. what it is. If you, if you think my opinion's wrong, if you think my opinion's wrong, uh, I understand, and I I would expect that from a lot of people. If you think I shouldn't be allowed to have my opinion or to act on my opinion, that's where uh, like there's a difference between I disagree and that's not allowed or that's not okay. Or no, you can't do that. Or, you know, uh, lynch him, you know, like there's a, there's a difference in like being able to disagree and disallow. And I would say you're, you're, you know, like, I Dude, you took it a little far disagree. with the lynch. Yeah. They're going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Lynch him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably a bit, bit harsh. 
All right, that's the pod. We'll see if people uh, dig it. I, uh, dude, what if tomorrow it just goes back to normal? That would be nice. And by the and way, this- if if you want to cancel me, uh, I hope people get our voices mixed up. And this has been Sam talking that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Why this do people voice confuse you hear us? Is Sam? <laughs> I think they're saying the that you P A R R. You could find him. He's a he's affiliated with HubSpot. If you want to go get them, like that's the guy to go get. If you didn't like what was just said, <laughs> dude, I still get people messaging me saying that they 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 confuse us still. I don't understand that. Yeah, I guess people, I think they're people go watch the YouTube video and they're like, shit, I've been had you guys opposite mixed up for like a year. I I think what they're saying is I look beefier, but I talk nerdier, and you look nerdier and you talk beefier. So it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, you you look dumb and you talk smart, and I look smart and I talk dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right, we'll talk soon. Peanut butter and jelly, baby. It's a perfect combo. Uh, yeah, all right, I'm right here. <laughs>